for the past week and a half or two weeks I've watched anime and I watched Parasite for the first time oh fantastic yeah that's a that's a great movie um it's uh, definitely got a lot of uh class undertones to it that that kind of play into the politics uh that me and you have talked about in the past and then also um won a big award it was very popular so it was awesome that it was so mainstream for something that uh, that had like good politics for once, kind of. Um, what did you think of it? Yeah, it's it's it, it's it's really good. I liked it, but it's interesting because people will praise a movie like that, and then when people make like real life critiques of capitalism, right, <laughs> it'll, it'll get met with like right. so much pushback. But there's no problem writing all these think pieces about who the real parasites are and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but, I, but I loved them. I loved the movie. I thought it was great. I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know what it was about as I was going into it. I honestly thought it was, thought it was like some kind of really smart horror movie or something. Which I guess in a way it's kind of a, kind of a horror movie, right? But yeah, exactly. Yeah, but yeah, I thought, I thought it was gonna be some kind of really smart horror movie. But what I saw, I definitely didn't expect. Which is funny that it's been such a big movie for the last couple of years, and I somehow didn't really have any idea what the plot was, but I, I, I loved it. I was blown away by it. Yeah, it was interesting because people didn't really talk about it a ton, even still to this day. I don't feel like a ton of people like uh, gave out spoilers. People talk about like that it was good and like you know obviously it won awards and a little bit of the thing, but not really like the plot is not out there as much. Um, it is pretty pretty interesting. I did actually hear someone recently referencing, um, like. God, I, re- I can't remember what the context was, but I think it was something. Ah, oh man, I'm trying to remember exactly, but I, I feel like it had something to do with um, Harriet Tubman and the Underground Railroad and like a similar uh, style of like integration where like people would people of uh, like the lower class and of the minority culture, like inculcate their their people, like their family members, their friends into like businesses and, and workplaces um the same like in a similar fashion 
Um, obviously not with the same like negative intentions always, but but still, uh, yeah, like similar similar style of being like, oh, you know, one of one person gets a job and then they bring in like one of their family members or friends and then they bring in someone into the play. You know what I mean? Like someone was talking about that, right? Um, which was interesting. I think uh, during like uh, abolition, there was like a similar practice, but I can't remember. Um, yeah, but uh, but yeah, that was uh, it was definitely it is definitely you, you, well, you, you saying that make, you saying that make, makes me think of uh. Kanye West comment when he was going through his uh his uh press run to be president to, for his presidential campaign. Yeah, yeah. And he and he, and he was like Harriet Tubman didn't really free the slaves. Yes. And in um it makes me think of like all the people that think Kanye has such a big brain and no, well Kanye says this, but you like you guys are too stupid or too narrow minded to understand what he's saying. It's like okay, yeah, the slaves got free to go work for more white people, but you're acting like they were black businesses anywhere right <laughs> during like the d- d- during the late 1700s early 1800s <laughs> that would have been readily readily available for black people to go work at or that there were existing black business or, or that there was a uh, existing black business at all that you know that, <laughs> that would have been sustainable at that point at that point in time either right if, but no kanye he's never wrong he's always super smart <laughs> yeah or like even you could say the same shit today that like yeah black people just have to work for white people because they own all the businesses and most of the wealth i mean look at the the richest men on the planet um but yeah yeah that's a definitely a fun one but hearing some weird some oh. weird shit recently oh go ahead i was like got my second dose of the vaccine today oh hey congrats and you're a moderna yeah, right got- yeah, big big Moderna boys out All here. All right, good job. I'm Pfizer. I'm Pfizer still, so we have a mixed uh, podcast, <laughs> which is it's fine. We can get along. There doesn't need to be the as as as, as, long, as, long, as long as we're not Johnson and Johnson. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, um, for me, I mean, my sister moved back to the valley where we're from, so that was a big to do, just because it, I was going out of my way to try to hang out as much as I could. Um, while she was still here but she is gone now uh wife just got a new job dealing with that so we both were we both been kind of all over the place um but uh i guess the big story and why we're named what we are uh going on right now is the biggest thing is uh will osprey dropping the terrible iwgp world heavyweight title which seems to be cursed championship um due to injury and then tons of rumors going on that there's some kind of mutiny backstage between the um foreign wrestlers in new japan uh quentin what do you think about uh will osprey is going to show up in nxc uk (laughs) um i feel like this is probably building for a long time i feel like this is probably something that's been building for a long time going back to Japan as a nation's handling of COVID going back to last year and New Japan's handling of COVID with their roster going on since last year. I feel like there's probably a building situation. I think that uh, from from everything that I've seen that Will Ospreay is legitimately injured. I think that's true. Right. That he is legitimately hurt. Right. The, but, idea, the idea being... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, but the, pro- but the problem then becomes... Yeah, he dropped the title, and we have no clue when he's coming back. That indicates that there's some it's something more beyond, 
hey, go home and get rehab. Because if that was just the case, they would have just had him not defend the title for a little bit. Or if that was the case, maybe he would have not won the title at all. But it seems like there was some kind of blow up based off of Japan's recent uh, recent boom again in COVID and the slow rollout of the vaccine that I think that this was a, situ- a situation that just boiled over. And like you said, calling it a mutiny. It's not just Osprey, obviously, that feels this way. There's a sentiment that seems to be going all, going all down the non-Japanese roster. And is Osprey the only uh, the, the first domino to fall? Is he the first guy that'll take it this far? We'll see. But this is a pretty big deal considering the fact what they just had Osprey do this year. Osprey has been on has been on this run. He say he he's one of the biggest matches on the on the dome shows facing Okada. Wins the New Japan Cup. Beats Co- beats Kota Ibushi. Had just had a just had that match with Shingo. Was gonna go on to face Okada again at the dome, and I think he was gonna beat Okada. And now that just goes out the window. And it, it really is a thing where I'm not sure who's at fault. I'm not sure who exactly is to blame here. But Japan's slow rollout of the vaccine to the point where you'll talk. Well, where I've seen stories of Japanese residents having to go to different places like a, like a Hawaii or something to go get the vac to go get the vaccine. And uh, I guess well, I guess tighter restrictions coming back on travel and things like that, that this, this is a very tough and complicated and complicated situation, but now new Japan more than it already was, cause it already was in a rebuilding stage already was in a sort of stage of flux. Now has everything thrown back into the air with really no plans for the future right now. Yeah. And it does. I mean, I was, what I was going to mention was, you know, Osprey's obviously hurt, but Osprey's, obviously always hurt all wrestlers who have been wrestling for anything more than you know five years are probably constantly injured Osprey, so it, osprey's been hurt for, osprey's been hurt for like six years yeah so it's kind of a he's he would have probably worked through it in any other situation especially when he's on his first big time run with the championship but instead he's taking time off like you said nothing's been mentioned i see Shows. I don't know if shows are still happening, but I could have sworn the Tokyo Dome show got canceled. But they're still running the Road to shows, so I don't know what's going on. Uh, yeah, it got it got pushed it got pushed back. I forgot what the original date was, but one of the issues was that it got pushed back. Right. So that show gets pushed back, but they're still kind of running shows. There's you know the stuff being said that they're just they're just trying to throw as many shows out there as they can to get just people in the building at a higher price value just to get them in there. They don't care if the shows are not selling well as long as they just keep getting people into the shows, which is not a good sign, really. Um, You've got stuff like, yeah, like Osprey's Rev Pro title is not stripped from him. The official announcement is that, you know, coming from Quinlan and Rev Pro, is that Osprey's going to make a live statement at a Rev Pro show, basically, to address... um, what he's going to do with the championship. So that's very interesting well, to think well, about. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me cut you off real quick just to go look at it. Um, New, Japan Technology, New Japan Technology announcement made by the Japanese government on May 7th. The company stated that in order to prevent the spread of the coronavirus infection, the Wrestle Grand Slam show is scheduled for May 15th and May 29th will take place on a later date. Yeah. So one of these shows would have already was already meant to happen. And the other one that I presume would have had Okada versus Osprey on it that was supposed to come in, come in a few days. Yeah. So, yeah, if, like, 
and postponed shows that there was no immediate plan to uh, have an answer for when that was going to happen again because I imagine they'd want fans there. And for a, for a bit for a match that big for an event that big, it's a Tokyo Dome show that you that they'd probably want ample time to promote it again. So say if things got cleared up in the next month or so and Japan gets looser with the restrictions again, that's still a Tokyo Dome show. So that might be another month and a half, two months before that show is even able to um, be uh, fully promoted the way in which they might like. So say if by the end of June, things look better, you still might not be seeing that show until like the end of August. Yeah. And that's another one where it is like, okay, well then why is Osprey dropping the title, being stripped of the title, whatever is going on when you don't even really know when you're running big shows again. So he could have gotten away with just not being around, not being on shows. I mean, I remember when Kenny Omega first won the IWGP title, he took time off and disappeared. I don't know if you remember that, but he wrestled like a match in England and then wasn't in Japan for like a while after that. So it's kind of like... Okay, well, I mean, Osprey could have done a similar thing if he needed to take some time off, but they make this announcement because something's going on between them, and it does seem, it seems to me like it, it's not even just, obviously it's not even just Osprey. There is the talk that it's all of the, the roster, and it, it's issues with coronavirus, like you said, COVID, which seems very odd, but obviously there's the story that came out with Fit Finley on the podcast talking about his son, David Finley third. Um uh, being told like, oh, you can go home, then you can't, then you're stuck, and then he gets fucking coronavirus, so I can definitely see getting pissed off there, because you thought you were going to be able to go home, and then you end up being stuck, and then you also fucking get, you know, infected while you're stuck there, so that's a fucking pain in the ass, right? I mean, I'm pretty sure that's what I heard. I, I, have have Finjigs been back in Japan? Yeah, they've been there the whole time. But... No, no, I'm saying like, since, because like, they've been, they just, they did wrestling, they did Mania Weekend. Yeah. Um... And then and then and then they sh- and then they um have done and have done the impact shots. That's what I'm asking. Has is Finji's back in Japan right now? As far as I had heard, yes, and that they because I, I think that I, from what I had heard, like both of them are two of the people who got COVID. And I mean, Jay White was just on one of the last shows, um, and. Uh, and yeah, they they were there, and they were told that they were going to be able to go home, and then they weren't allowed to go um, because they were going to run shows. As far as far as, far as I'm, what I'm seeing on Cage Match, uh, yeah, I'm I'm seeing that David Finley hasn't been back hasn't been back in Japan, right? At least according to Cage Match, he hasn't wrestled since, since March, right? But well, he, yeah. he may have gotten has a, he has, may a, has, have, has a wrestle. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, maybe 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 he's had a wrestle, but he um. Has been on the New Japan show since March. I can't remember, but he might have been one of the people who got pulled from that that match with all the people who got pulled that were supposed to wrestle on a show and then ended up not wrestling. Um, I can't remember mm. off the top of my head, but but that was the way that that whole story went. That there's a lot of confusion back and forth, quarantining if you're allowed to go home, if you're not allowed to go home, all this and that. But one thing that did strike me is I don't you know when all the AEW stuff kind of started. I mean, even before it had started, when there was kind of the Bullet Club and the Bullet Club Elite and all this, there was the talk and, and the people in the background and all the little stuff that you heard of, like, there being separate factions and and loud, you know, maybe some people who are a little bit louder on social media, but that there's definitely a group of people who are on one side and they are vocal about having issues with the other side. One thing that I remember that stood out to me was kind of like, 
um, when New Japan ran the um, the West Coast shows, and I think that they had like JR and Josh Barnett on commentary, and there was that social media blow up about you know New Japan foreigners who were complaining about why isn't Kevin Kelly doing commentary, right? Why is why is this? And Kevin Kelly is still you know involved. Um, so there is like a I think that there is a contingent a one part of contingent who are maybe kind of the people who have stayed in new japan the outsiders who are still in new japan to this day and they might be on top of all the other issues a little bit shaken up by the idea that it looks like aew and the guys who took off are involved again are you know possibly going to be coming back in you know are wrestling in New, on New Japan Strong shows, you've got Rocky Romero showing up on AEW TV, reforming Rapungi Vice, being in, you know what I mean? And he used to be the liaison for the foreign talent, so you're seeing where he's at. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's some of that factional side of it too, where the gaijin, the foreigners who stayed in New Japan and didn't go to AEW are a little bit like, well, what the fuck? Like, we had your back, we stayed here, and now you're going running right back to them and you're going to have them possibly taking our spots. You know what I mean? Getting our pushes. Um, and I could definitely see that being part of it as well, though, where it's like we're upset about all this other stuff. But then also we can see what's coming over, you know, what's what's coming next here and being kind of annoyed. I, I, I haven't heard anybody report this. I don't know. You know, I haven't heard anyone say it, but it, it seems logical to me that there's a contingent of foreigners who have been in new japan this whole time who see the aew guys being possibly you know brought back into the fold and they're kind of like what the fuck we were we like just stood with you guys through all this bullshit and you're just gonna let them come back and take our spot um and i could definitely see them being annoyed about that i think this this, like i like i said this is a situation that seems like it has been building so you're like you're th- you're throwing in another factor here that imagine watching that over the course of the last couple of months you see the freedom that John Moxley has and it's like okay cool like Moxley but that's like one person and you see Kenta show up on AEW it's like ah uh, okay it's kind of weird but all right and then we have full blown fin fin juice on Impact but then the person that runs Impact is also on AEW and then you have Yuji Nagata coming yeah. in working on AEW so yeah if you imagine imagine if you're someone that had these other offers to work some to work somewhere else and you stayed through New Japan would stay with New Japan through these difficult times you're not someone like a you know like not like obviously we're talking about like the Kenny Omegas and the and the Young Bucks of the world right but say but say like a Lance Archer a Lance Archer Lance Archer was probably going to get a pretty big push a pretty significant push in New Japan still wound up leaving so imagine if you you are like a like a, like a Zack Sabre Jr. or a Gorilla or a Gorilla's a Destiny or whoever else. And you're Jay looking White. at this and you're just like, well, yeah, Jay White, you look at this like, well, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, totally. It's just like, oh, okay. Like, how much worse would it be that you're like, in the moment, people saw you as the, you know, the, the consolation, the replacement, the last minute replacement for the people who left, who chose to take off. And then now to even like further push that narrative, they're allowed to come right back and take your spot. Like I could definitely see just how shitty that would feel and how much you'd think like you're being devalued publicly. And as I said, I mean, Rocky Romero, he was the liaison for the foreign talent and he is showing up on AEW. It's like the writing is on the wall. You mentioned um, Don Callis. I mean, that's another news item. Don Callis out of, of TNA. 
Don Callis out of impact. Ooh, okay. Not I don't know like completely out, but definitely there is something to he's not involved behind the scenes. He's no longer an executive at Impact. He's basically an on-air talent at this point. So what does that mean? Focusing more on AEW? Is he trying to get involved backstage in AEW now? Like, you know, it's, it's, it is, yeah. Like, Finjuice are winning the Impact championships. You got more and more New Japan wrestlers showing up on Impact in general. And like you said, the guy who was just running the place, now he's out and he's working for AEW too. So you're just kind of like... Damn, if you're the foreigners, you can definitely see the writing on the wall here. And it's like we had our our run, and we were doing you know our our spots. We had our, we got our spots, but now are we just going to get replaced because th- these guys are all coming back? And not even just the guys who are coming back, but all the other talent in AEW. How much talent does AEW have that New Japan would love to bring in? You know what I mean? There's plenty of plenty of wrestlers that they could bring in, and. And, and and I still think of like uh, the people that are all that are on the Impact Creative team, and we're so we're thinking of people like Scott Demore. I'm pretty sure are still like they're still like the yeah. president. I think R. D. Evans and Jimmy Jacobs are on, on on the team, and maybe Tommy Dreamer. Yeah, I'm not sh- I'm not sure, but like look at those names. Those are people that I could imagine would still like have no problem continuing an AEW relationship. Oh yeah, yeah. There's no issues there, so. It does. It does start turning into this whole thing where it is. It is. It makes a lot of sense in the idea that COVID and the and the outbreak that just happened, not even just in Japan but within New Japan, the wrestling company, um, was kind of the last straw. But clearly, there's a lot of stuff bubbling there that's clear, like going to make it so that the wrestlers don't feel supported and don't feel. And it's. <laughs> It's fucking hilarious that all this popped off because the last podcast we recorded, I think I, I made that statement and I put that out there. Like, can Osprey, can any foreigner ever really truly feel like a full-time member of the New Japan roster and not like a foreigner? Uh, and then this fucking happens. Yeah. It's then, insane. This. It's, uh, it's, it's crazy. I almost feel like I like fucking predicted it, but I was just questioning it. And it's, it's true. It's just like... What the hell? Um, let's see. What else is there? Um, well, 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 oh. well, what do you think? Like, is this a thing that... Do you think that this is going to be a real issue that might involve departures and people leaving New Japan? Do you think there's a situation that could eventually get rem- remedied with... Um, with time? Because, like, like I said, if, if this is based off COVID... And we know Japan's status as far as vaccinations go, with the state of emergency and uh, prohibiting flights and all this and all this and all this kind of stuff and limiting travel. If this if this is not just an Osprey thing, and a thing that is a wider spread sentiment, are, are we? Do you think that we can see departures here from New from New Japan and? Maybe down the line, uh, le- a, a, a little bit less reliance on bringing in, on bringing in foreign talent. It is interesting because it does feel like, like this just kind of makes some things a little bit more glaringly obvious um, when it comes to a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about more and more. And I do have to give credit to uh, Alex from Barabuda Tag Boom because a lot of the stuff that she had talked about on her podcast recently um, kind of really resonated with me more and more about something you know i already was aware of japan's kind of treatment of outsiders in general 
Um, but her kind of speaking about it more and more in the context of pro wrestling did make it kind of stand out to where I've been bringing it up more on the podcast as well. But this was this this global pandemic has made it very obvious that like, yeah, like unfortunately, outsiders, people who aren't um, you know, Japanese residents are, are not being are not the main thought. They're not going to get treated properly by the company and then they don't have a lot of protections from the Japanese government as foreign you know employees in the country as well to where it does make it it's not it may not even be necessarily that New Japan decides they don't want to rely on foreigners but that foreigners more and more like kind of questioning how much they want to rely on New Japan because because we had a, a pretty solid run of guys being able to like really make a career from you know primarily in japan again something that we hadn't really seen as much since like the 80s and 90s um it kind of had stopped and then and then you know kind of started bubbling back up um where people were able to do that again um and now you're kind of seeing the issues there it almost reminds me of like when people would talk about puerto rico and that guys would tell you not to go because you get trapped in there because they don't take care of you as well as they could um and or that they should um, similar kind of thing where it's like, okay, people are kind of thinking, well, do I, do I want to risk getting stuck in Japan and like, sure, I'm wrestling and probably making decent money, but, but if anything happens, I'm kind of fucked and I don't have my back in any way. Um, so it is kind of like, oh, okay, well, will wrestlers be a little bit more hesitant about thinking of, of going and wrestling in Japan as a, a positive um, So we will see it, it's possible and I could see some shakeups here and then you end up with more guys like Moxley, who treat it as a, like a place to go and ha- and like have some fun one-off matches here and there, but don't really treat it like home anymore. You get more of that kind of thing from wrestlers, guys who don't really commit a hundred percent to Japan as their main, like where they work. If they're not, if they're a foreigner, could see more of that. And honestly, I, I wouldn't wouldn't be surprised if that's the the kind of the outcome of what happens here. It's just funny to see this, and we 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 talked about all year that New Japan is in a state where thing where things are so shaky. Part 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 of me, if you guys hear any rolling thunder on my <laughs> on my end, we have a we have a thunder we have a thunderstorm going on right above me. But yeah, this is something that we've talked about with New Japan throughout the entire year of New Japan, quote unquote, falling off, or it's not as good as it used to be, and all that kind of stuff, which we both agree on, but. Now you're throwing a completely different dynamic into the game. And you can say, oh, well, the foreigners were never really over in Japan and all that kind of stuff if you want to. But look at New Japan's insistent reliance on them. That's just just a straight-up factual thing that New Japan Japan has done. And at this point in time, in 2021, is New Japan ready for a scenario where they have an exodus of foreign talent that no longer no longer wants to be be there maybe not necessarily because of them but just because of new of japan as a nation's handling of covid and i don't i'm not sure that 2021 new japan can handle that yeah and i mean while all that's happening in japan uh america is opening up more and more companies are announcing that they're going to start touring again you know wwe is touring again uh, AEW is going to start touring. Both are bringing you know fans more and more in throughout July. Basically, is the announcement. You've got 
ROH is planning uh, in July as well to have the best in the world pay-per-view have limited fans in attendance, you know, so there there's definitely that side of it too, where you look at it from Japanese Americans or foreigners in general, British people as well. Um, and Tongans uh, in Japan going like, okay, well, America's opening back up more and more as the big companies open up, the small companies will start opening up t- as well. So it, do they, yeah, do they take off? Do they go see what happens uh, outside? Because it is tempting. Um, like I said, there was, from what I heard, there was like the rumor of Osprey to NXT UK was a misunderstanding, maybe mis- uh, translation of the situation of what was going on um but uh but i mean who knows where someone like osprey because i mean it feels like osprey could sign anywhere he wants jay white probably also could sign anywhere he wants but after that it's kind of like i don't know we're just someone like zach saber jr wwe gave him an offer a long time ago but you know would they still want to give him an offer would he still would he be interested in going there does he go back to the you know what i mean like does he go back more to the indies aew doesn't seem like a place that's interested in someone who does what zach does but but you know it's a shame but maybe i don't know so there is uh there is definitely something too as japan closes down having another state of emergency and not able to run shows america is running more and more shows and more people are having fans in attendance so it is it is glaring how different uh how it's like two different worlds there ready, ready to move on from new japan sure i saw that stuff sure um i had something a little bit of news but it's also just maybe just a little bit of a conversation that crossed my mind um, because of a, a news story. I don't know if you saw the story, but the JR saying that, that uh, Randy Orton is the best wrestler in the world. And it started a whole kerfuffle. Um, <laughs> where of course it did. You saw this. Okay. So Chris Jericho is like, ah, oh, blah, blah, blah. Like, I've wrestled everybody great and Omega's the best. And then Omega, what did he call Cornette? A uh, racist cuck or something? Which is phenomenal. Yeah, some, something like that. Yeah. Um, all that. But, you know, then I also heard Lance Storm, he does a weekly kind of video podcast thing on F4W. He talked about guys like Randy Orton, Christian Cage, um, I mentioned somebody else too, who like, you can't tell how good they are unless you wrestle them. And then once, oh, Fit Finley was the other one he said. But like, once you're in the ring with them, just how great they are, you can really tell how easy everything feels and how smooth everything is. And they're just so phenomenal and all this and that. I thought about it and I was kind of thinking about it and I was like, that is a, a bullshit metric. And that shouldn't uh, be really brought up in any way when it comes to judging the quality of a professional wrestler as far as I'm concerned. Because as a, a wrestling fan, I don't like wrestle. I don't wrestle people. So I don't care how good they are to wrestle against. I care about like the quality of, of what I what I see the matches that I see. It's 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 like it's like the people that uh, talk about Kane is Kane is an amazing wrestler because everyone likes wrestling him. Yeah, it's 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 worthless. <laughs> it's it's honestly really worth. I was thinking of comparisons and it was like like an artist, like a painter. Like what if there's a painter who's everyone's like, oh, he's just he's so skilled at the technical side of things. He's so his you know his his strokes of his brush are so phenomenal, but then like the painting itself sucks, you know, or like a chef who everyone's like, Oh, you know, his technical mastery is he's so precise and so skilled and, and, uh, and he can produce like all the gastronomy, like fancy things and all this, but the food tastes like shit. 
Like, I don't care how technically proficient someone is when it comes time for, like, if I was wrestling against them, it's really easy to wrestle them. If, like, the match itself isn't entertaining or good, then that's what you judge a wrestling match on. Like, it's such a fucking weird argument to try to make that, like, you just can't... I mean, I don't think that that was the argument that Lance Storm was making. I'm not, like, talking shit to him specifically. But people do really love to use that as a metric to say, like, oh, this guy's actually the best wrestler in the world because, like, wrestling them is really easy. And it's like, I don't give a shit. I really don't care if it's easy to wrestle someone. That doesn't make me like their matches. So it's, like, a pointless thing to even bring up as, like, a a parameter for why they're good. You know what I mean? Right. So yeah, I just that that whole story I thought was very interesting. Um to my mind, I don't <laughs> think Kenny Omega or or Randy Orton are the best wrestler in the world, but you know, that's just me. What do I know? I mean, I mean obviously the person that we should be playing the best wrestler in the world is retired now and is the mayor of a county in Tennessee. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. You know, we, we, we should we should we should all be able, be willing to accept that fact because wrestlers have the only correct opinions. <laughs> this is true. That's the nat- that's the nature of anything in which you consume. The people that are the professionals at it are the ones that participate directly in it in a performative capacity. They're the only ones that are allowed to have opinions, and everyone else <laughs> is wrong and doesn't know what they're talking about. Yeah, it's a cycle. It's a cycle that it's a, it's a cycle that exists in fucking everything, man. Wow. Well, you love to see it. Basically, WWE wrestlers are are trying to turn the WWE into a, a backyard promotion, where the idea is that the only people who are watching are the other wrestlers, and the only people who care are the other wrestlers, and that's what it's all about. Like <laughs> yeah, they're that's, that's true too. That's the level that we're at now, where the WWE wrestlers are just basically have the same mentality as yarders, where they're like, oh, you know, I don't do this for the fans. I do this for me and my friends. It's like, okay, cool. We'll fucking <laughs> don't do it on TV then, I guess. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's where we're at. Not to, you know, I'm not denigrating backyard cause I love backyard wrestling. Um, you know, there's a lot of great wrestlers out there who still wrestle to this day who are phenomenal, who got started on the backyard. Right. But, but yeah, it is, it's such a weird argument to make where it's like, hey, you know, we do this for we, like saying that like this guy is great because he's easy to wrestle legitimately is like the same argument as the backyarders who are like, hey, I just do this for me and my friends. I don't care if anybody watches. Um, so yeah, cool. <laughs> Go for it. Make it your hobby. It shouldn't be your job then. Um, speaking of WWE, uh, they, uh, let go of some talent recently, um, quite a bit, but two of which I guess are the standouts, two of which that it's really interesting it took so long, Drake Wirtz, Drake Younger, and, uh, Patrick Clark, the Velveteen Dream, finally, uh, finally let these guys go. What the fuck? <laughs> Wild, <laughs> right? The only reason Drake got, Drake got fired is because he just went too far with it. Finally. That's the only reason why Drake got fired. Yeah. That's the only reason. It was not the stuff that, that leaked is nuts about him, right? Ah, he like that dude is completely cupilled. Like Yeah. <laughs> that that dude is gone. Completely fucking gone. Uh Yeah, like there's not much you can say about Drake honestly, like if you want to learn more about the doing the situation and shit, just go on David Bixon yeah. Spans profile and just look up uh look up date look up look up David Wirtz. But yeah, yeah, dude, that guy just went completely off the fucking deep end. But at the same time, we know that there were also Trump supporters on the roster. Oh yeah. And 
like 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 other than words, I'm not even sure he's a, I'm not even sure he's a Trump guy. I know I know he's just a, like a QAnon guy, but we saw Nia Jax doing Trump stuff. Fucking uh, Jackson Jackson Riker, the old yeah. the old gunner. He yeah, full on full on MAGA guy. They're, like if you go if you go through, there's probably quite a few people that are on this QAnon thing. But Drake Wirtz, just like actual real life QAnon people. Dedicated his whole life to this and went fucking insane, and yeah, <laughs> that's the only reason why he got fired. Yeah, I know. Well, you mentioned Jackson Riker, the former gunner. Um, he's still with the company, right? And the other two Forgotten Son guys got fucking fired. And he, yeah, he just he just he just pinned he just pinned AJ Styles on TV. It's fucking wild because they got pulled off TV because of his bullshit on social media, and they both got fired, and he's still there. I guess they said that uh, Butler or Cutler. Um, got let go because people caught coronavirus at a party that he threw at his house also. But, uh, but yeah, like, fuck, the other two guys got let go. He's still around, and he was the one who got them in trouble to begin with with, with some bullshit. I think he was doing, like, a All Lives Matter type bullshit on his social media. So, yeah, exactly. You can get away with it, it seems like, to a point, as long as you don't go completely off the deep end like Drake. But fuck. Like, brother was living the gimmick, I guess. Took it a little bit too far. Um... Velveteen, Velveteen Dream. Yeah, I don't know why this took so long. Sure, I, I, I would not, I would not be able to tell you why we saw all the, all the, all these other people get released last month, and somehow Velveteen Dream wasn't first and foremost on all of, on that list. Right, sounds like he had a lot of other extracurricular curricular stuff going on. It, I don't know, possible he was indisposed, possibly they couldn't get a, get, you know, reach him, get a hold of him to, to release him, I don't know, but yeah, but it was like, it's been, gotta be over a year at least that there's been rumors about a bunch of other stuff as well with this guy, it's been a long time coming. Well, the dude was on, the dude was on TV while that stuff was happening, Yeah, right? so it's just kind of like, damn, like, this was another one that... Let me, let me, let me, look, let me look up the last time he was on TV. Oh, he was on TV relatively uh... recently comparatively to when like a lot of the accusations started because yeah there was yeah that was like that was like all started like last last spring and he was, and was still I still remember him doing stuff so let's look uh yeah the dude yeah the dude was last on um an episode 12 23 uh 2020 facing adam cole okay so it's, it's been it's been some time between so he might have been injured and i'm pretty sure there's some kind of clause against injure fire people while they're injured um i don't think they're legally allowed to do that i don't know right because the independent contractor label like lets them get away with a lot of shit sure but yeah so so it's so it's been, it been at least since december that we've seen him but still the, he was on TV months after get ap- months after text messages and stories coming out about him. So let's try to try to solicit pictures and sex reminders. Right, which is yeah, it's just. Uh, I guess at least he's gone. You know, fuck both of them out of there. It's whatever. Um, and then I guess you know while they're gone, the rumor is Speedball Mike Bailey. He's on the, uh, he's in the crosshairs. WWE is trying to sign him. They're working on. Uh, I guess like visa clearance, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, that'll be interesting. Um, he's a guy who, in my head, you say, does he fit in? But we've seen NXT recently; they've done pretty well with the guys who probably would have thought wouldn't have made the 
the easy jump into WWE relatively recently. Um, even if some people just end up on, <laughs> just randomly end up on 205 Live and like never even were on NXT TV, but you know, they just, they find places for these guys. So I don't know. What do you, what do you think about Mike Bailey showing up in WWE after all these years? Uh, finally gets clear. Yeah, that, that would, that would suck. Um, especially now. Like, right. You know, it's kind of a thing where if you look at 2015, right, and if Bailey would have signed then, maybe Bailey would have got chewed up and spit out by that system and would have been signed and then released within that time frame. But at the same time, maybe Bailey would have found his footing and already got support and traction with the locker room and the people and the people in charge. So Bailey could have had a decent spot. But now, with the going overboard of signing people and the stockpiling of talent, and everyone just being on the same treadmill with no upward mobility. Yeah. Yeah. I can't, I can't say that look good, looks good for speedball, especially as a guy that's coming in with relative, relatively little buzz because he's been in Japan this whole time and not just in Japan. He's been in a promotion in Japan that not everyone is watching and even, and even eventually his role in that promotion got diminished pretty, pretty, pretty severely. So it's not like speedball is coming in with much moment, with much momentum, which I think I understand five years is a long time um, to have to wait for your dream, for your dreams to reap the the rewards of you being one of the best wrestlers in the world. He would have been signed to a major promotion already if this, if this wasn't, if this wasn't the case and maybe would have always wound up in WWE, who knows? But I think that at this point in time, I think that a WWE move is just not the best thing for speedball in terms of his usage, I thought the AEW would have made a lot more sense. But I love Speedball. He's been one of the best wrestlers of the decade, and I hope he makes a lot. And I hope he makes a lot of money and gets whatever he can gets whatever he can from them. But I have no hope at all that Mike Bailey can break through in there. Yeah, that's probably the best way to to look at it. But as I said, I I'm not as uh, bearish on it. I think that there is there is the chance that. Um, because they have, they've signed, like, even someone like Trevor Lee, who, like, you can say, like, whatever, the the character is a big part of it. Um, but, like, the fact that they're even using him, because it would have, would have told, I would have told you when he signed, they would have done nothing with him, you know? But they, they... Yeah, but, yeah, but, like, but, but even, like, look at the people that, like, you know, that were, like, like, Andrade just left. You know what I mean? Andrade, who was... Sure. Everything that WWE could have ever, could have ever asked for in a Spanish-speaking star... Everything they could have asked for, delivered in spades every time he got a chance. Yet somehow he still like he like that was never enough to go all to go all the way with him. And looking look at the people that are already in the PC, already in NXT that still they like you know they signed them. They got to like give them some kind of screen time and give them a chance to see where and see where they go and all this other, all this other stuff. And you trying to like this dude might be two hundred five live bound. If, yeah. we're being, if we're being honest here, because we're because we're talking about like like I have this uh, match pulled up match pulled up here. So let's talk about the uh, gauntlet eliminate gauntlet eliminator battle royal, right? Uh, L.A. Knight, Austin Theory, Bronson Reed, Cameron Grimes, Dexter Loomis, Isaiah Scott, Jake Atlas, Kushida, Leon Ruff, Pete Dunn, Tyler Rust. That's just that's just that's just one match. Jesus we just had Christ. we just had we just had we just had Asher Hale. You know, so um, uh, uh, Anthony Anthony Henry just debuted. We still have the top people like a Kyle O'Reilly and a Roderick Strong and Adam Cole and Finn Balor 
I think Finn Balor's supposed to be going up, but still, those, those undisputed era guys are still flo- are still floating around. Um, are still floating around on the rosters. You still have like Timothy Thatcher and Johnny Gargano and and and, and Tommaso Ciampa and the in the in these people all there. This is a this is not good for somebody. This is not an optimal way to break through anywhere. And people that do sign. They sometimes they could just get shipped straight to 205 Live. Hello, Kurt Stallion. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Some people like so that's what I'm saying. I'm not really sure. I can't be this optimist. I can't. I can't see it. Not now. Not in 2021. Maybe in 2015. In in that, in that era of NXT, and maybe he could have gotten some support, but from people backstage and got some kind of leverage and gotten and gotten some kind of following by then. And now he'd be he'd be okay, but not in 2021. With, with 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 how things are set up currently, There's, I, just, I just don't see it. Yeah, no, I I, I guess I uh, I guess you've changed my mind a little bit here. I'm a little bit less uh, less uh, excited about the idea, but we'll see what happens. Um, Davy Richards returning to wrestling. Don't know if you care about that at all. Um, Davy rules. Yeah, Davy rules. Don't care. Don't care uh, what anybody says. It's it's <laughs> aw- it's kind of awesome that like Davy Love has come back around. Um, from like kind of being ironic to people just actually appreciating how great he is. Um, it's, it's 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 still it's still mostly ironic and like even with me, I still like admit some of the uh, the irony in it. But like I legitimately like Davy. I'll come on here and I'll pray like praise all the time. Uh, like I thought Dave, I thought Davy versus Kenny Omega for the PWG title was a legitimately incredible yeah. match. Like. Like, like I, I really, I really do enjoy Davy. Is Michael Elga versus Davy the one of the best matches of all time? Of course not. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, the, but, there's, but there's plenty of Davy Richards that I enjoy. Yeah, we'll see how he is now. Because I mean, when I saw him live, he already seemed like he was pretty out of it, and that was right before he retired. Um, we'll see. Uh, we'll see. Um, yeah, I guess last time I saw him live, um, was pretty close to when he left, and he was pretty. Uh, yeah, pretty like eh. I could take or leave. He didn't seem like his heart was 100% in it. So we'll see how he looks uh, coming back now after this layoff. But either way. Um, let's see. Oh, 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 oh. Forgot, forgot, to, forgot to mention all the other people that um, NXT still has to find time for. Oh, okay. So let's not forget about... So let's, so let's not forget about Legado Del Fantasma. Uh, let's not forget about Killian Dane and Drake Maverick and uh, Imper- and, and, and Imperium. Hey, <laughs> they're one for, members. Let's not, they're one member smaller, so let, let's let's not, let's not let's not forget. Oh yeah, uh, Wolf did get released, right? Yeah. yeah okay. Um, we got we well, was was um was M- MSK? That's their name. Yeah, MSK. Are they the tag team champions? <laughs> yeah, they're, they're the tag champs. Oh, hey, good for them. Uh, we still, we still, we still have the grizzled, the grizzled young veterans, <laughs> and this, this isn't even counting the women <laughs> that need TV time too. Uh, yeah, I guess you're right. There's, uh, they need to, I guess they need to make NXT three hours long. Um, it's like, it's like, look, speedball, go make your money, man. <laughs> yeah, I hope he, I hope he does all right, but yeah, he'll be one of these people who gets released before they even show up on TV, right? Um, I doubt it. He'll get thrown on 205 Live, like you said. So whatever, that's fine. Um, all right, well, we got aid. Oh, I should I should give a shout out for the news notes and all that back on the uh, 
back on the the grind we got the the underscore core woo on twitter uh shout out to him and check out his uh his new i don't know i get i don't even know what the deal is but uh mitchy pro eng um uh, on twitter at mitchy pro eng and uh the website is michinoku pro english.wordpress.com um doing uh i guess michinoku pro english uh translations and and explaining what's going on so give a shout or give that a shot because there's some good there's some decent stuff going on in michinoku pro um i pop in for matches when i get recommendations here and there um you know not uh not uh, following it constantly though um but yeah um, um oh go ahead i know i know i know you're a po- i know you're there's all topic i know you're a podcast guy yeah have you um kept up kept kept up at all with um it's like the falling out of the Joe Budden podcast crew. No, no, no. What's going on there? Oh, so um, it, it's a whole complicated thing. So I'm not gonna give the whole story. Pretty much, uh, the two co the two co hosts that were in like the actual titling of the show. Uh, it's the Joe Budden podcast with, R- with Roy and Maul. Roy and Maul left over um accounting disputes, and so they're so they're no longer on the show, right? And everyone was kind of was kind of was interested to see where um where they were like what, what was going to be the next move for them and i thought this was really cool that they're uh they're doing they're doing their own show together it looks like and they're looks like they're with 30 35 ventures which is uh kevin durant's company so i yeah I, so yeah i just i just saw that on twitter i thought that was very interesting uh to see them go from that into a into a like a direct relationship with uh with kevin durant and his, and his business partner nice yeah that's uh that's very interesting i was trying to think because i i i don't listen to the joe budden podcast but i do see like the clips and hear people talk about the shit that he pops off with i was trying to think of like who the comparison is to joe budden for like for the podcast people be, i was gonna he, get, he gets like you know, like people always like try to like say like uh more like more like black howard stern yeah like yeah, people people kind of like say like say that that um, that makes sense, but more so and, 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 he's a little bit more incendiary though. Like he starts shit and talks shit, which Howard Stern never really did. Yeah, yeah, but people people still have the problems. People still have the problems with Stern with the way he said that's things. true. But like, it's more again, it's more so like remembering what the show that like a lot of a lot of what gets said is uh is is comedy and jokes. But yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. I think that's even what the even like what he went for, and like the comparisons that's been happening happen for years. Like he'll get compared to like how we're starting all that. So I just thought I just thought that was interesting. And I know you're a podcast guy, so I didn't know if that um had a yeah uh, came across your screen or, or at all. But yeah, I thought I thought them going to going to thirty five ventures is super interesting. Yeah, that is. I mean, the podcasting game is uh, it's very interesting to see the way stuff moves around and and continue will continue to um as a as like it's continues to be like a viable kind of media venture and like yeah the the machinations of the the corporate side of things are very interesting um you got kevin durant (laughs) investing in podcasting ventures we'll see where that goes um what do you want to do what do you want to do aew preview or dragon gate or what do you think Let's get the actual wrestling you watch out the way first, okay. so we can close up with, with the AW preview. Sounds good. Sounds good. Um. Well, let's see. Well, well, well let's be well, let's be upfront here. Um, yeah, yeah. Wrestling is like just been all it's been all over the place. Um, 
So, I've skimmed through all of Champions Carnival. I have been keeping up with the DDT Tag Tournament. And I've seen uh, five nights or like skim through, skim through six nights of King of Gate. Um, and I saw two matches from WrestleMania Backlash. I'll get I'll get those out the way. Roman Reigns versus Cesaro was really, really good. Um, it, it was... Cesaro kind of got squashed, kind of. But I, it was interesting because they played up how strong Cesaro is and him being pound for pound the strongest guy on the roster. But Roman Reigns really dominated him for most of the match. And I thought that was a really interesting use of Cesaro there. And not a bad use. You definitely, like, use the credibility that Cesaro has built up over the over the years to build up Roman there. But Cesaro made Roman look like a killer. Roman looked incredible in that match. Cesaro, when he got offense in, his offense looked good. But Roman was in complete control and looked totally dominant. In that in that match, I if you haven't watched that Tim, I would say that you might enjoy that. The same thing with Bailey versus Bianca Belair, really smart, really clever match. The finish gets uh boshed a little bit for what they were going for, but still a really smart, really really clever match that I that I enjoyed a lot. Yeah, the um the Cesaro match is interesting because I didn't see really any of the build or the match, but I did hear people talking about the idea that like it felt like um, Cesaro's setup wasn't very good and blah 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 and all this like the build, but it was kind of like yeah, like the whole point was building him up as kind of a throwaway challenger, so it was kind of not throwaway, but like an easy win for Roman, but someone that you built up some credibility with, and then they have a kick-ass match. So I think sounds like he served his role really well, and. People who are, like, upset, it's like, I mean, Cesaro being in the main events for the title is better than his he's gotten before, so it's kind of like, hey, it's a fucking upgrade, even if you think, like, he's still not getting what he deserves. He's still, like, doing better than he was, where he's just, like, a guy in throwaway tag teams on the undercards and pre-shows and shit. Um, so, yeah, I was intrigued with that. Maybe I'll go out of my way to check it out, but I've been, uh, I've been trying to keep up with... Yeah, there's been a lot of stuff going on with tournaments and stuff in Japan right now that I'm interested in. Um, the uh, Champions Carnival I didn't watch a ton, but uh, definitely like checked out some of the stuff with um, Oshino, uh, Yuma, and uh, Otani were like the people that I would go out of. Yuma Yuma has some Yuma has some really good matches. Yeah. Yuma versus Otani was like the big the big one, but Yuma versus Zeus was really really good. Yeah, so I was kind of like going out of my way to check their stuff out. Um, Oshino has been really disappointing. Um, I thought that even the match with Otani that I think people said was really yeah. good was like fine. Otani has kicked ass. Like I cannot believe how good he's looked. Um, yeah, Otani o- 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 Otani kicked ass, but Otani's been good this whole time. Yeah. Like even with even when the zero one stuff pops up, Otani's been good this whole time. That's like that. So like I was glad that people saw Otani like oh shit, o- Shinjiro Otani is still really good. It's like yeah, like the dude has been good whenever he actually whenever he actually gets seen. Right. Um, what do you think? What do you think of Jake Lee? I thought that Jake Lee had a pretty weak tournament in terms of his in ring uh, in ring quality, but he did come across more like someone who has like a, a concrete idea of his act and uh, had more presence than he's had in the past. And I thought that he he nailed it when he had to. In that in the, in the final versus Kenta, which I thought which I thought was great, but other than that, I thought that Jake Lee didn't really stick with me 
for the for the majority of the tournament, but he definitely stuck the landing there with the final. Yeah, I mean, I think I agree with most of that there. I'm still positive on the new character, um, and I am with you that I think that it's the best he's looked star-wise. Um, but honestly, yeah, like, I've I've been a Jake Lee fan for his in-ring more than even other people up, but up until this point, but he's yeah. still getting his feet underneath yeah, totally. him for, like, how to wrestle, I think, as a heel. Um, so we'll see. It's tough because this, it kind of reminds me... Um, God damn it, who did this recently? Someone in, did this in New Japan recently where they, like, they had their heel turn right before they started the G1, and it was like, they were like... Or maybe I'm just thinking of Kenta. Um, either way, like, where it's like, it is kind of tough to uh, to throw somebody into something like this and expect them to be, like, completely changing everything in the context of a big tournament like this. But it's also a good way to, like, get someone out there and just get the reps in, um, which is also smart, but it does... it does end up leading to maybe not the like the best overall tournament performance and you kind of really would want a bigger tournament performance when he's going to the final you know what i mean um so yeah like uh it it definitely doesn't help but at the same time like i said i I think it's a double-edged sword it's got positives and negatives because it is like okay work the kinks out because you're gonna work probably the most singles matches than that you would all at once in a year like all within like a month um, so that does kind of help to just like get the, get the reps in. Um, but it does hurt because it does make like for a, not a great overall tournament performance out of him. Um, and then, yeah, like it's glaring when you have other people who, who can do stuff like that and just hit the ground running. Um, so we'll see, we'll see. But, uh, the thing, that- I guess, are you, are you, are you, are you excited for, um, Jake Lee versus Suwama? They've had, they had a really good match yeah. before. A couple, a couple of years ago, and I thought that their match uh, in the tournament was fine. I've, I've I've seen them have better, but it feels like this is a time to go all the way with Jake Lee and just give give him the belt right now and, and see how he handles it. I feel like this is what it's building to. Um, I think that they have a really good match in them, and I'm I'm, I'm kind of I'm really intrigued by that. Yeah, I mean that was kind of where I was gonna go next. Is it's like. Jake Lee seem, feels good character-wise, feels more like a star than he ever has before. Can pull is possibly going to be able to like pull that side off. But then the the problem with that is that it's it's all Japan in 2021, and it feels like that does not matter. Like it it, it doesn't matter how well he pulls it off. He's not. It doesn't feel like he's going to get any buzz, and people are not going to pay attention to what's going on because of him. Unfortunately, um, but yeah, I mean. I, him and Suwama have had good matches in the past. Um, so I think that the match will hopefully be will deliver. But it does feel like Suwama really just needs to drop the title. And Jake Lee is probably the right guy to just do it at this point. So, yeah, I would say just put the belt on him. It's maybe the best chance they have to get anyone to pay any attention. But even still then, it feels like... I don't know, All Japan, I don't know what the fuck is going on. Because when they brought in... Ashino and like the the infants Tarib, it seemed like people were maybe going to pay attention, and then they just completely fucking wasted all of it, to where like I I don't even think it's a waste thing. I think like like they came in and like both of them, Koji Doi and Ashino, just haven't been that good. Sure, but like they didn't. They booked them terribly on top of it. 
And yeah, like I even said, Ashino, I really liked Ashino in Zero One, but he's really fucking disappointing to me, especially in this Champions Carnival. He was super disappointing. Like seeing him and Otani wrestle, I would, I think that you could see it and you would get confused on who's the, you know, veteran who should be taking it easy and who's the, you know, the young guy who should be busting his ass to try to make a name for himself. Um, so yeah, I'm just kind of like, what the fuck is going on with this guy? But they booked him terribly for something that could have gotten... So that's that's kind of my issue is I just... I don't... No matter how good Lee is, I just don't think that All Japan has the ability to book someone... I mean, we can talk about fucking Kento. Like, Miyahara was so good for so long, and it never mattered because of the way All Japan booked. They never, like, made anything feel like it mattered and built to, to any... So I just feel like... It, it felt like they were trying with Nayo um, Nomura, but Nayo got hurt. He's been he's that's gotten hurt fair. a couple yeah, times, and now he's been out he's been out for a while. And I feel like that was the guy that was getting the most momentum uh, from anybody from anybody facing Kento. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's probably probably fair. But uh, but yeah, I may I will definitely check out the ma- the title match um, and hope hope for the best because hopefully hopefully Jake Lee can start to deliver here. Um, Oh, oh, Shima, Shima versus uh, Hikaru Sato was, was also was also really good. Oh, oh and, uh, yeah, I meant to watch that. I think I think that was like think like night Saturday. Yeah, I think that, that was good. I meant to watch that and I uh, forgot to. So cool. Thanks for reminding me. Yeah, yeah, you'll yeah you'll yeah you'll like that. Yeah. Um. I guess was there anything else on Champions Carnival you wanted to mention? Uh no, I guess like my I guess my my favorite matches. Uh, two two of them involved. Yuma and two of them involve Zeus, so um, not sure, not sure what that says there. But Yuma versus Otani was great uh, from uh, from one from one from one of the nights, and Zeus and Zeus versus Yuma was really was really good. Might actually prefer that over the Otani match slightly. And then Kento and then Kento versus Zeus uh, for the last few years has, has usually always been pretty good. Yeah, and it was no different here. It was great. It was great again. And I and I, and I mentioned the final being being really good. I love the finish. I think that. An aspect of Kento that gets downplayed, and I get it because he does do it, like he'll throw in a no sell there that for some people will then invalidate, um, you know, the, the the selling that he does do. But Kento, when he's getting his ass kicked, he's really good at selling. When he's trying to get something over and make someone look dangerous, his eyes glazed over, wobbly, wobbly legged, lights out, but he's still on his feet, kind of selling. Is really really good, and that's been that way versus Namichi Marufuji, Suwama, Kyuji Ishikawa, in here but in here with Jake Lee. That when he's doing that, Kento's Kento really is a is a is a great seller sometimes, and uh, and I get it, I get his flaws, but I thought I thought that was the the driving force of the Jake Lee match is how good Kento was selling for him. Yeah, yeah. Um, DDT, how much of the uh, the tag tournament stuff have you seen? Ooh, I've seen like two, like two, like two or th- like two nights, okay. two or three nights. I've I, def- I definitely saw um, the opener with um, 30, 37 Kamina versus uh, versus Damnation. I think I saw Brooks and Brooks and Honda versus Thirty Seven Kamina as well. Yeah, and I saw June Re- June Resu versus versus Eruption. I don't. I know, there's, I know there's an eruption versus a 37 Kamina tag that I haven't gotten to yet, but everything that I've seen from that DDT tag, uh, tag round robin so far has been really good. Yeah, it's been good. Um, my biggest issue is the Brooks and Honda team. Their matches are just way too long. Um, 
and just like did you did, did you not like that one versus 37 comedy no i liked it but it was just it just went too long like a little bit a little okay, bit too yeah. much stick um to to go that i mean it's not even all stick that's the crazy thing is they don't really do like a ton of comedy but they do some and then mix in like other stuff to where it just makes them the matches start to drag all of their matches have, like i said have been a little bit too long um that said yeah i did like that match um eruption and jun risu have been phenomenal um obviously it's not surprising um like yeah especially eruption i think has been really good um and um okada like it's interesting what they're doing with um okada because he seems to be like a pretty focused or featured person for them he's not in the tournament um but like even the match with uh, sakaguchi where he gets like his ass kicked pretty pretty good um it still definitely feels like they're they're building him up for something um so we'll see what their what their plan is moving forward with him and on uh, the most recent night, the the show that had the um, Junrisu versus Eruption match, there is a uh, Nomoi, uh, Naomi uh, Yoshimuro versus Yuki Ino match that fucking rocks. Uh, I would definitely recommend checking that out if you haven't seen it. Just two big guys beating the fucking shit out of each other. Um, not the kind of match. Did you uh, did you watch the? Did you watch the Yuki uh, Yuki Sakaguchi versus Yusuke Okada match or not from the opening? Yeah, night? yeah, that was what I was talking about. Where where Okada got his ass kicked pretty good, but clearly, okay, okay but okay. clearly they're like building him for something. Like it's not that's one of those matches where it's not about necessarily like like he's getting that ass kicking for a reason. There's more to it that you can kind of see. Um, they're building to something, and he was definitely fighting back and showing a lot of fighting spirit. So to me, I could definitely tell that there was a uh, there was a point to that. Um, and you know obviously having it end the way that it does he doesn't even like get beat really um or you know there's like ref ref stoppage kind of thing um so yeah i uh i definitely think that they're going somewhere with him and i i'm kind of uh, intrigued on what they're going to do with him because he's another one like uh, i was going to say the uh the yoshimura versus uh you know match like doesn't feel like your textbook ddt match uh Okada doesn't seem like a textbook DDT guy, but they clearly have some plans for him. So we'll see what they go, where they move forward on that. Um, I guess Dragon Gate. Want to talk about some uh, some Dragon Gate here? You, you only you only saw that that are alive, so I guess we can both give our thoughts there. Sure. Um, for a, for a little bit, then I can talk about a little bit of what I saw from uh, from King of Gate. Yeah. Um. Well, I'll just say that like I. I really loved UT versus uh, Okada. Um, I thought that, that match rocked. Um, UT is fucking great. Okada is fucking badass. Um, obviously, major bummer with the the Dreamgate title match, um, and then the main event. I it was tough for me because it wasn't like the full. I liked it. You liked it. I didn't. You didn't like I it. I didn't hate it, but it wasn't the full dead or alive, you know? So I was already coming into it kind of sour. Um, and then, yeah. Okay. And then I'm not, I'm not fully into everything. So I don't know. I feel like maybe I'm missing a lot of what's going on background wise. So maybe you can give me, no, I, 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 no, like, you know, the only background is, is that, um, Kai and Yamato were tag partners. And then in the last dead or alive cage match, Kai turned heel and joined red. Um, and so they've been they've been feuding ever since then, and Dragon Kid and SB Kento 
um, that was like one of the driving forces of like the uh, of like uh, the Toriyaman versus Dragon Gate versus Red uh, feud that went that went on through last year. Yeah. So it was kind of like tying up loose ends. I I, I liked it. it. wasn't great or anything, but there's a part of it that I really liked was uh, was the was the transition into the Dragon Gate versus SB Kento portion of it where. Yamato Yamato is about to is is up there, and SB Kento just slides down because uh, he's uh like under Yamato. Yamato's climbing the cage, and he slides down and just says, "Okay, cool, pull the pull the flag," and Yamato's looking at him and he's like, "Wait, what?" He's like, "Yeah, go ahead," and it's this really cool moment because uh, SB Kento is saying, "Go look, go ahead, go out. I'm not gonna stop you," but he's also but but. That leaves drag, but that leaves Dragon Kid Yamato Yamato's uh Yamato's unit mate in there with the with the possibility that he could lose his mask. So I thought I thought so I thought that was a, that was that was really cool, and I liked the uh, some of the some of the near falls in the SB Kenso Dragon Kid portion. But like I said, it's, it's nothing great. I just enjoyed it. You hit the nail on the head with UT versus Okuda. UT really should be the Brave Gate champ. Honestly, he should he should be the guy that's allowed to go out there and have these. 13, 14, 15 minute high paced electric matches. Uh, whenever they feel like feeding him defenses, I like Okuda. Okuda is really fun and unique on the roster, but that should be UT's belt. And the Triangle Gate match sounded better on paper than it actually was. Um, I think not having Kota, Kota Minora, uh in this match. Hurt, hurt it a little bit because he was in the eight man tag against uh, Doyoshi and uh, Hulk and Ita, and La Estrella had a had an off night and it wasn't it wasn't his usual crisp self. So that triangle gate that triangle gate tag could have been better. It would be it probably will be better if they ever run that back. But that was that was one of the disappointments. And Hip Hop Kakuta versus Shun. Shun's run I feel like has been kind of um, <laughs> cursed. Been kind of been. <laughs> Yeah, man, like, some people like the Ishida in Cosmo matches and think that they're, like, incredible match-of-the-year contender-level matches. I think that's absolutely insane to say for the Cosmo one. I think that the Ishida one had things about it that were good and things about it that were really, really iffy. And I'm not someone that's, like, the selling selling police. I'm not someone that's looking to critique, critique something for its selling. But the themes of that and the lack of selling that uh, I felt like we're shown in that. It it was it was definitely kind of it was definitely kind of bothersome how long it went. And here, Hip Hop Kakuda, one of the another promising young guy for shooting the face, and this gets uh fucked up within four minutes. So yeah, I don't I don't really know, but I do I knew Shun's Shun's great. It's not a thing where I'm doubting Shun. I think that they're putting him in tough spots. I think that the match layouts have been weird. And I think that when he gets in there with like a more solid DG veteran, I think that it's possible. But we'll see a better version of Shun in these in these Dreamgate title title defenses. I think that namely Yamato, him and Yamato from the first night of King of Gate was really good. And if that's the direction we're moving toward, if we're moving toward a, Yam- a Yamato winning King of Gate, then I would love to see that on Kobe World. And I think that that would lead to one of the better Shun Skywalker matches we've seen. Yeah, I mean, it's so tough because, well, obviously this is not even the show to talk about it because there was a really unfortunate situation uh, with 
hip-hop Hakuto getting injured here. Um, and on a fucking drop toehold. It was such a dumb spot. Um, but uh, to even like start to really break down the issues with Shun and the booking and everything that's going on. But just like you said, I mean... It feels like Dragon Gate is really banking on the the young guys, obviously. You can see it throughout everything that we talked about here. Um, and it does seem like they they may have gone a little bit overboard um, with Shun and his title run trying to act as if it's like a complete reset. Where, yeah, like I think that he would have been much better off if he's been having, if he had some more m- matches with guys who are more experienced. You know, like... But as you talked about with King of Gate and hopefully like getting to have some more singles matches with with more of the established veterans, I'll I'll definitely check out the Yamato match and watch more of the King of Gate stuff to see how he's doing with that. And hopefully you can build to some uh, some challengers who or maybe can. Yeah, (laughs) are a little bit more experienced and can deliver a little bit better uh, quality matches with him. We can be a little bit better off. But yeah, it's like. You know, the Ben K match and the big weird injury that happened there. Um, the injury that happens here. It's just, yeah, it is like, God damn, this guy's, uh, this guy's title run has been rough. The, um, the, op- the triangle gate match, like Matt, this was a fucking off night. Cause I've seen masquerade, all three of the guys in masquerade that were here in this match look really good recently, but this was such an off night. Yeah. And then for it to be, mm-hmm this like big culmination where they're talking about them winning the titles and cause I listened to the English commentary and I have to say, I, this fucking pains me to say because I've always thought that this guy is just a complete jack off, but Larry Dallas on commentary is not bad. Honestly, he's pretty good on commentary. Um, you know, compared to how many shitty commentators there are in wrestling right now. that's not saying a ton, but, um, but yeah, like the idea that this was the big night for mass, these masquerade guys and they are winning their own titles and they're not just like subservient to Shun, but they had like a really off night. It's like the worst fucking possible night to like try to be their like crowning achievement night, especially for masquerade. Also, then you follow that up with, with a main event that does not deliver at all. It was just a really bad night for masquerade, unfortunately, overall, um, you know, and, and they're winning, they're at, they, they're winning and they're getting all the titles. But uh, they're just having like a what comes across as just not good performances. Um, so yeah, that's why I say like with with the way everything went down, like UT and Okada was the best match on the night on the on the fucking show, and it was yeah, Brave Gate match that you know went just about ten minutes. Um, and the main event, like I said, the main event. Maybe if I compared it to other uh, Dead or Alive matches, it was might actually, especially the final uh, SP Kento versus Dragon Kid, like. It may have been better wrestling quality wise than most Dead or Alive matches, but I just I like the Dead or Alive to be the the circus and just have a ton of stuff going on and a bunch of people involved and all the fucking hoopla in and outside. You know what I mean? And this was just very toned down. So it uh, it definitely I won't say again, I won't say that it was bad because like I said, in ring quality, it might have been one of the better ones for just the quality of the wrestling. But uh, it was I was expecting i always expect that are alive to deliver just a bunch of insane sh- z- zany shit and just there just wasn't really much of that here it, it had it had, it had it, some but, yeah it definitely, it definitely felt more i felt it definitely felt like a little more serious than uh than these other ones no one um, brought out one of those uh soccer ball pitching machines like what the fuck <laughs> no like 
the twenty six the twenty sixteen was still remains probably the best one that they've ever done. Yeah, at least at least at least one of. I remember the the one where Akira Tozawa shaved someone's head. I forgot who got their head shaved that year. Yes, but um, yeah, but like that 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 one that one's up that one's up there too. But yeah, like this this one wasn't wouldn't be like high up there. But I, I, I still I still enjoyed it. Like I said, the um, the, the quality of the King, wrestling King, was high. Um, but yeah, no. Nah. Uh, King King of Gate, um, another another Ishida versus Skywalker match. This one's shorter, goes fourteen minutes. Still, some of the same problems that their first that their first match had, sadly. But I like both of these guys a lot, and I think that they really do have a great match in them at some point down the line but maybe what maybe when they get older the standout after the first night or the standouts after the first night are probably yamato versus keisuke okuda that goes to that goes to a, um a 20 minute time limit draw but it like flies by and uh i thought i think it's like a really unique feeling match for for dragon gate and then you have jason lee versus casey which I thought was really good because Jason Lee's and Casey's almost like a mirror match. Casey's obviously a much a much better worker, but if you like when you watch these two face each other, all their similarities that they that they that they have in common get accentuated, and you really see that these two guys are super similar. And that was that was great, especially down the stretch, trading the pin combinations and everything. But those are probably the two big standouts for me, uh, coming coming out of the uh, latest stretch of King of Gate. I haven't seen. Uh, the, I haven't seen the last few nights. I know there's a Yamato versus Kaito Ishida match. I'm gonna try. To, I'm gonna try to watch tonight or tomorrow. And there's a couple other things I'm interested in. But uh, yeah, those are those, those are my only takeaways from from uh, King from King of Gate right now. Yeah, well, we'll uh, I'll uh, get caught up on this. I've got uh, I got nothing to do this weekend, so thank God for that. Um, I am gonna go see. Uh, my new nibblings uh, tomorrow, twins, um, that were just born a week ago, actually. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the only thing I've got going on this weekend is going and visiting them. Um, and I do love saying the word nibbling because uh, it sucks. And uh, I bet other people hate to hear it. And uh, that makes me love to say it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but we'll... we'll I, can, I, I, can, I can imagine I can imagine Simon, if, he, if, he, if he's listening, that he just heard that was just like... I wanted to just turn this shit yes, off. Yes, I cannot blame him. Um, but uh, but next week we'll we'll get caught up on that, and also next week what we'll probably end up talking about is AEW's big time pay per view. Um, what is it? Double or nothing? I don't know. Two or three, whatever. Twenty twenty one. I think it's a. I think it's the. I th- think it's the third. Yeah, one. it might be the third one, and it, I think that's correct, and I should remember this because I heard someone mention Double or Nothing being like a B show, and I was like. No, that can't be right, but it, because it was like this. This is the show where um Mox debuted. Yeah, at one of them, right? But then I looked it over and I was like, hey, you know what? Double or Nothing has not been treated as like one of the main big time pay per views historically in AEW. They kind of it's it's not right. It's not you know I guess what's the other one all all in all out or whatever. Um, yeah yeah um all all in. Yeah. Well, all, is it all in or all out? What I think it's all is... out now. I think it was the first one was all in, and then they didn't have the rights to it, so now it's all out. Um, I think. That... Oh yeah, okay, yeah, it is all out. Okay, yeah, you're right. Yeah, so I think that's how it works. Um, so we've got uh, we've got the big pay per view, the big B show coming up. Um, so let's just let's go over it real quick. Um, let me look down this card here. This doesn't seem right. I, I, I have it in front of me. I, I, I have oh, it in front I, of me. I, I can, oh, go I ahead. Can do it. Yeah, yeah, you do it. 
right. All right. So we in the in the in the buy-in pre-show we have for the NWA women's title we have Serena D versus Riho. And that's for the NWA title. And that's yeah. Riho's first match in AEW in a while um, since they did that tournament. So that'll be interesting to see, and that could actually be a really fucking good match. Um, yeah, that yeah that could be that could be great. Yeah, that could actually end up being the best match on the show, <laughs> really, because um, those are two of the best wrestlers that are even on the show. Um, re, re, and Riho's has been back. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but this is like her biggest. This is like her biggest match. Yeah. Um, since then. Yeah. So. Uh, so no, yeah, I was. She's been here, but she just hasn't been featured in a while. So this could be, this could be a feature match for her to get her back running um especially because there is a big chance that the women's title changes hands on this show so they could be building up to her getting a title match down the line or possibly it could be continuing on with serena deeb uh getting built up to a title match which i wouldn't be surprised at either but yeah like i said this is one where i could say this could end up being the match of the night i don't there's not a ton else on the card that's like seems like it's going to de- deliver like a high quality match so this could this could end up stealing the show match quality wise uh next up we have the casino battle royal we have some of the entrants announced i'm not sure if we have all of them i'll go through some of them matt hardy christian cage dustin rose matt seidel evil uno uh Stu grayson qt marshall uh, pentagon jr powerhouse hobbs Jungle Boy, Griff Garrison, Max Caster, Brian Pillman Jr., and others, but those are some of the names that we have that we have in this thing. Uh, they're usually fine battle royals. Um, I don't know. I, I, I guess my pick here would be Hob, would be Hobbs. I guess. Yeah. Um. I mean, if you've been watching the TV, they've been leaning towards Cage. Um, but, but at the same and like that's also part of that is to try to get to a Christian Cage versus Kenny Omega match. Um, which I could definitely see them going with that. The other part of it too is that even if you know they you don't have all the people announced, they announce usually everyone, and then there's always the Joker basically um, in yeah. these. So the number twenty one could be anyone, and they're always kind of a dark horse to win it, whoever that is, because you don't know who it is, but they could easily win it. Um, these have been good. The last one I was not a huge fan of, and I mentioned how it was interesting because uh, Ethan Page shows up and he's supposed to be the clusterfuck, you know, booking master, and then there there's a tur- he there's a the battle royal and he's on the show and it's not very good, um, but that's also who knows because the booking has always been good for these and there's a lot of moving p- parts in here when it comes to storyline stuff that's been going on on not just on dynamite but also on dark and elevation so there's a lot of interesting stuff there's a lot of interesting things that can happen here storyline wise with people interacting um that and that can be intriguing and there's a lot of people in here who clearly they're planning on pushing soon or they have plans for so there could be some interesting stuff coming out of this for future storylines and future matches but yeah if i was gonna say who i'm gonna put my money on i'm gonna put my money on christian cage um, cause I do think that they probably want to get to the cage versus Omega match relatively quickly. Um, there was like, they kind of teased that he's working from the bottom to the top, but I think that this is a good way to just skip all of that, um, and get him to the title match quickly so that you can move Omega into other programs. Um, but then, like I said, there's always the mystery entrant and they could always win it too. So that'd be my, kind of my predictions. 
All right, uh, Brian Cage versus Adam Page. They just had a match on Dynamite a couple a couple of weeks ago that knocked Adam Page off when he was the number one contender for the title. I gotta imagine this will be a thing to get Adam Page back on track. Uh, which again, which I think we talked about last time, last show we did talked about the uniqueness of AEW booking and how typical booking logic would show Adam Page is the one with momentum. Adam Page should win. But you kind of throw Cage as a monkey wrench in there, and then you—that's how you insert uh, Pack and Orange Cassidy into the title picture. So coming out of this, I'm I'm, I'm expecting an Adam Page win, but this is—I'm I'm think this—I think this should be this should be fun. Yeah, um, this will be interesting. Brian Cage, um, while not you know a guy that I super care about watching wrestle, I think he can definitely match up well here against someone like Paige. Um, hopefully Paige can show off some, some cool spots and not have the same trouble he had with Keith Lee uh, when he showed up in PWG and had trouble picking the big guy up. Um, Cage is maybe a little bit smaller than Keith Lee, so he'll be have a little bit easier time throwing him around so he can show off some of his power as well as his quickness. Um, and yeah, like get him over. And this is a great little booking thing for someone like Paige, who me and you have talked a little bit about recently, about the idea that Paige is maybe like uh, off of his path. But I think you kind of said like he's got plenty of time, which he does. He's still young and they can still definitely get him there. Um, and you've got a few more bites at the apple before he turns into like a choke artist guy. But this kind of thing was like a perfect, this is a perfect diversion to, as, as you said, you would think like oh the easy booking is just that he wins and you know moves into the title but instead he gets this little hiccup and now he's got a little mini mountain to overcome and this is like the perfect guy look look wise to where it seems like he achieved something by beating him after after the loss so this is a great way to to have like a little diversion for page so he doesn't have to continuously challenge for the title and lose it and uh, but still kind of doesn't seem like he's just running in circles so smart booking probably be a decent match and again yeah and i think and, and i think that this probably would like either will lead to like some kind of like alliance between cage and page at some uh, christian cage at and adam, adam page at some point but i i do think ultimately the thing that we're going to get to here before uh before christian moves on to a possible kenny match is we're going to get christian versus adam page i think yeah yeah i think that that's uh, yeah that, that's probably likely um, Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky versus Darby Allen and Sting. The last Darby Allen and Sting match versus uh, versus Team Taz, a cinematic match, was really was really good, really fun. Uh, I'm not sure if it's gonna be that this time. So those smoke and mirrors and tricks they were able to use in order to hide Sting's uh uh limited capabilities might not be available to them. But I do feel like if there's two guys that are decent, like you know, just decent, de- like decent enough professionals, as to where when Sting does what he does, it's still gonna look good, and they'll make Sting look as good as he can. Ethan Page can do that for any for anybody, and Scorpio, and Scorpio Sky is athletic enough and bumps big enough as to where I think that Sting in the spots that he does get could look good. But I'm not expecting much from this. Yeah, I'm. Uh... Like you said, you got the other side with um, Scorpio Sky, definitely a professional who can bump big and, and make everybody look good. And Paige, 
Paige has got a little bit of an attitude problem, but I think he's enough of a mark to where being in the ring with Sting is enough for him to where he'll be in a good mood. Um, and he's, you know, a quality wrestler as well. And there's never been, there's not a lot of stories about him being unprofessional, right, in, in the context of in matches. Um, but he definitely can have an attitude problem when he doesn't feel like things are going well or he's not getting over or he's not being treated properly. So I'm not too worried about that. But yeah, this is not going to be a cinematic match. They've like directly even said that Sting is going to be in the ring in front of people. So it's kind of interesting to like double they kind of are double dipping by doing like oh it's sting's first match and then they do it and it's a cinematic match and then they're like oh it's uh sting's first you know in the ring match like it's his first real match like (laughs) oh god damn you guys are really they are really milking the sting thing but hey i can't fucking blame them um and then yeah and then you've got darby in there who is uh one of the best wrestlers on the planet earth and uh could definitely deliver for sure but you know, it's unfortunate because it's a setting where, where how much is that really going to matter? How good Darby is? How much does it is it going to end up really mattering in this match? I guess we'll find out, right? But, um, but yeah, you've got the pieces there, but I don't expect much to come from it just because the setting and and what it is. Um, but if you had, if you really had, you know, let Darby kind of do his thing. You've got Ethan Page and Darby have great, you know, history with each other and charisma, uh, which is basically just Darby being willing to take whatever insane shit ethan page wants to do or vice versa um and then scorpio sky who can bump and sell and do all his stuff so i mean there is the the ability for this to be really good but again it's i think we're both probably pretty trepidatious to expect much stadium stampede match the inner circle versus the pinnacle i don't think either of us really expected them to go back to this so soon but here we are running it back with Stadium Stampede the last time we saw Stadium Stampede it was a pretty goofy match involving the inner circle facing facing the facing the elite what do you expect here you know this this should be more serious compared to the elite versus the, the inner circle that we got last year which I still love by the way um but yeah I'm not I'm not sure what exactly to expect from from that expect from this match should we still expect uh, craziness and hijinks and stuff like that or should we expect something where they try to take it semi-serious and this goes long and no one likes this yeah i mean the idea is it's supposed to be more serious that's what they're that's what they're saying so we'll see what that means and we'll see if that's worthwhile um i don't think that it's going to end up being very good i really think that this is going to flop um and it sucks because i do like I like the idea of what's going on here. I like, I really like the idea that, that kind of playing off of everything and just the way that the universe kind of unfolded that, that when they were first going to run blood and guts, it gets, you know, called off and then they bring it back. Um, and when it gets called off, they kind of replace it with a stadium stampede match. And then, and then it goes over so well, as you both said, as you said, and as, like I said, we both enjoyed it. Um, so then they're they're like oh this is maybe that's our thing and i do like the idea that instead of forcing bringing back war games and giving it the blood and guts name and doing that they kind of authentically had their own thing in the stadium stampede that wasn't you know what i mean it wasn't just rehashing war games and they're go but it sucks because now it feels like they're going to waste it (laughs) by having this one that's probably not going to be very good um but yeah, I did like the idea. Like, I think we both agree that it, that uh, 
it didn't make sense that they came back to it so quick but i then when i like they came back to it for this i'm like okay i like that idea i really am happy that that it was like we were going to do blood and guts and it got called off and we came up with our own thing and that actually worked and now we're going to bring back the blood and guts to do it but then it's going to be subservient to now getting into our new thing that's authentically ours in the stadium stampede but i'm just worried that it's going to shit the bed and then they're you know it's not going to continue to be their thing because it's got a you know a bad mark on it but we'll see maybe maybe they'll prove me wrong and they'll deliver something here but you just got i don't know jake hager is not very good chris jericho is not very good you know i like eyfbo and sammy Guevara, but you know whatever and then like the last one was the last one was good because it was funny Right. So this is not going to be funny, I don't think. Yeah. So like, if if that if that comedic aspect really isn't present during this match, then like, yeah, this could just be like a 25, 26 minute thing that no that no one enjoys at all. Yeah. And they're doing loser must disband, right? So we'll see where where well, they go with that. Are, are, oh, are yeah, they? I mean, that's I'm, what it I'm says. Must have seen this. Must have seen the one. Yeah. This is a you know, faction must disband if they lose. So. We will see. Uh, we'll see what that means. All right, Cody Rhodes versus Anthony Agogo, uh, the punch that has completely divided the wrestling community <laughs> for whatever reason. Yeah. <laughs> and then Cody, and then Cody's promo about I'm going to teach my child to equally love his white side and love his black side. And, well, he's having a girl, right? Yes. So love, love her black side and love her white side and. Be proud to be American. Mm-hmm. Uh. <laughs> um, like, luckily, as you said, the punch has the wrestling world divided, but luckily that promo does not. Everyone agrees that that promo was bad. Um, hey, look, if you go on Cody Rhodes' replies when yeah. <laughs> when when that got posted, but there are, pe- there are people that love that, love that uh, promo, so I don't know, man. But, uh, but this is, okay, so I, I've been watching some of the build, and I've been hearing people's talk on it, and I... I, I was sitting down, I was just seeing it through normal eyes like everybody else, and I was like, God, this is weird and it sucks. But then I had the, 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 the you know, t- the, the strike, the lightning strike in my brain, and uh, it hit me. And this would be, it wouldn't make any sense because of the way things are set up right now. Um, but uh, if this was being built as a way to turn Cody heel, this would be perfect. Because we're going into this match and Anthony Agogo comes across like a babyface and Cody cut that weird ass promo. He hasn't said he hasn't said anything wrong. That's the thing. Yeah, and Anthony Agogo has been like honest and talking about how fucked up America is and like all of the problems there. <laughs> and he's just dominant and he's a fucking killer and he throws these big punches and it's just like people want to get behind him and if this is set up to turn cody heel this would be this is perfect booking the setup is like amazing when cody is walking around like draped in the american flag i saw him i can't remember where it was i think it was dynamite but he was like wearing the american flag like a cape it's just it was so over the top to where i was just like this has got to be a heel turn this has got to be that like the the crowd's gonna turn on him because it just makes sense and i was thinking about it because of the american dream thing where he's like 
this is I'm wrestling as the American dream and this night or whatever. And it's like Cody's the American nightmare. Like that's his whole thing, right? So I could definitely see that the the stupid thing with the American dream is also part of the setup to be like I'm not the American dream, I'm the American nightmare and he turns heel in this match. So, yeah, like that's I don't know why, but I just had this thing hit me where I'm like this is this this booking and the way that all of this is going can't be this bad intention like on on accident it's got to be a fucking setup because a go-go on top of it like i think that they want a go-go to be the face of AEW for england and they're planning on like touring england eventually so i just he feels like a natural baby face watching his matches um he just had this fucking match with uh, austin gunn that was fucking brutal with like austin gunn spitting up blood all over him that was on elevation i think um, and yeah, just a go-go just comes across like a natural baby face to me and Cody just, I think it's time for a Cody heel turn. And I just, I think that it wouldn't, like I said, it doesn't make any sense because it feels like you're building to this pinnacle or not pinnacle, uh, factory versus Cody thing. And this is like the first match of the feud, but otherwise, like this match is going to be very fucking weird. <laughs> I think the thing that makes this interesting is that this is like another praise for AEW's booking is that they're really good at these diversion things. So what do they do? The the big heel, the big turn is QT Marshall. That's 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 the that's the big turn. So we get that, and then they have their few blow off on Dynamite. We're just like, oh, okay, cool. I guess that was just like a mini program, but then that goes straight to Anthony a go go attacking him and then building up to this. And I think that that's like a, that's a little quirk about AEW's booking that I still enjoy. I think that's even that's that's no, that's noticeable even uh even right even right here but even right here but this with this match um but yeah everything that you're saying is spot on spot on this match is weird it feel it feels weird it feels like Cody should be turning heel but that's probably not likely um yeah so so much about this match is weird I don't have high hopes for this. Uh, I do think that Cody has shown this time in AEW that he's good at making things work. That some people might 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 have previously thought like were out, was out of his skill set or out of his range or a little bit too adventurous. But I think that I think that uh, you know this is this is he's a project guy. AEW uh, Anthony Gogo is a is a is an AEW project. So I think that Cody will do everything in his power to make this successful. So if that means Cody has to look like a complete fucking idiot then I think that Cody's willing to look like a complete fucking idiot in order to make this guy work. Yeah, and I think that Cody is the perfect guy to help. But Agogo is already delivering, and I do think that it's does not going to take much, but Cody's going to definitely make this guy into a star. And, like, I think that the people who are shaky on him right now are going to be proven, like, they're going to see that there's something there. Um, so, yeah, this is definitely... This is a star-making match, and I think it's a, a star-making match for Agogo. Um and I do like I, I still think I'm I'm going to I'm on record. I think that this is going to be a, a turn here. This is going to be a Cody heel turn, and Gogo is going to be the big baby face coming out of this. All right. Next up, we have the AEW World Tag Team Title Match. We have the Young Bucks versus Eddie Kingston and John Moxley. Yeah, the uh, the the shoes on a pole match, I guess. Uh, um, this should kick ass. This is the only other match on the show that I think could end up being a compete for match of the night with the uh, the women's match from the kickoff um i think that yeah in ring wise storyline wise um emotion everything there could be a lot of there could be a lot going on here and this match could be phenomenal 
Um, that said, this heel Young Bucks run has not worked for me in ring so far. Um, I thought that the, the Varsity Blondes match that people were going nuts for, I thought was fine. But I did not really, really love the Young Bucks performance. Um, but we'll see because... Th- I, liked, I, I, liked, I liked the SCU tag. Yeah, it was fine. Um, but yeah, I'm just not seeing it yet here for this, this heel Bucks run yet. Um, but this could be the match that really breaks it out. Uh, I don't think that the Young Bucks lose here. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think that this match could be it. Moxley and, and Kingston have been perfect. They have been so fucking good as a team. They play off of each other super well. The two just like realist dudes in wrestling, just being as a unit together. It's fucking perfect. Um, it kind of makes me think, do you remember the, the Moxley Roman Reigns tag team? Like... This is like that, but like the real, like the grimy, like version. Yeah, of it. like like yeah, it wasn't just a te- yeah, it wasn't just a tease. Like we actually we actually got yeah, it exactly. But yeah, this is yeah. What do you what do you think about this one though, Quinn? This is not the most I'm most excited for the the Young Bucks, um, recent stuff at re- recent stuff as heels hasn't been hasn't been great, but this is almost like this is perfect. You know, with the Young Bucks and how they're acting and the Dior's and uh, the like the hot like the Hollywood act they're doing versus Eddie Kingston and John Moxley as the complete antithesis of them, I think is too perfect and too good for this match not to deliver on some level. So you have the uniqueness factor of this is the first time that we've really seen like Moxley interact against the Bucks. We haven't really seen Eddie, Eddie Kingston interact against the Bucks either, um, in terms of in terms of actual matches. So this has everything going for it: the uh, polar opposites in, ter- in terms of characters, the build, um, freshness of the matchup. The performers involved are all great. This has the makings of being a great match. If this leans too far into the Young Bucks bullshit, then maybe that could take away from this and be the way in which you in which you ruin a surefire good match. But I think that this match should be really good and should be awesome and probably is the front runner to be match of the night if all thing if all things go well. Yeah, I don't expect a bunch of bullshit out of this, honestly. I think that Moxley knows to keep it serious and Kingston just doesn't fuck around, you know, like so I think that we can we won't end up with a bunch of bullshit on this one. But yeah, I'm I'm uh I could definitely see where you're coming from on that, but I'm I'm with you that I'm probably the most excited for this. The only reason why I don't say it's like definitely lock gonna end up being match of the night is just because yeah, there could be some clashes and some weirdness here, but it, it definitely could end up delivering. Um Is there I I guess what else is there? Uh we got Miro we got Miro versus Lance Archer for the TNT title. We got Hikaru Shida versus Dr. Britt Baker for the women's title, and we got the world title match, uh, Kenny Omega versus Orange Cassidy versus Pac. Um, we, we can probably quick hit these these two. Miro versus Lance Archer, I'm not sure if I'm really... I, I get it. This is not like one of the first times that AEW's been, done like a big monster versus monster match. Miro's promo on Lance Archer... Uh, where it said God put me on earth to destroy, to destroy, to destroy, and all that and all that kind of shit ruled. Mm-hmm. And Miro looked great versus Darby, but that's also Darby Allen, who might be the best wrestler in the world. And Lance Archer hasn't exactly been lighting the world on fire 
during his AEW run. So I am not sure how I feel about this. Um, yeah, I, I, I can't really, I can't really like, tell you how I feel about it because both these guys are still kind of have like have their, uh, I'm still kind of up and up and there on my opinions on them in a, in AEW Hikaru Shida versus Dr. Britt Baker. This is probably the time for to go, to go with Britt. I think that she has the momentum going with her. I think that her seg- that her segments on television are constantly entertaining, breaking down why she be- why she should be the number one contender. Her matches on her matches on Dark Elevation have been good. We don't we don't have to mention the momentum that she's that she's riding off of from the Thunder Rosa uh, Lights Out match. This is just the time to go with Britt Baker as your champ. The crowds are coming back, things are opening back up. Britt Baker can go out there and talk shit and heal it up, and you might be able to get over more wrestlers and more talent. Um, in the in the coming months, this might be this. I think this is a time to go with, go with Brit. Uh, and then you can give your uh, thoughts on those two. Actually, no, the world title match we can just do too because there's not really much to say about it. Um, Kenny versus Orange Cassidy versus Pack. I think this could be really good. I think that while I'm, while I've been listening to you talk about the show and talk about what could be match of the night contenders, I think that you've been I think that you've been leaving this match out, and I think that this could be really good. This is still Kenny Omega, Pack, and Orange Cassidy, three of the best wrestlers in the world, people that have shown tremendous chemistry, whether it's Kenny and Pack, or whether that's uh, Orange Cassidy and Pack. I've shown tremendous tremendous chemistry. We're going to get Kenny Omega and Orange Cassidy interactions, and. You know, it's a triple threat, and triple threats could usually, you know, you aren't usually as good as a one-on-one match could be. I get it. Triple threats could be full of tropes and things like that, and could uh get clunky and messy and all that kind of stuff. But if Orange Cassidy is healthy, and if he's been, and if he's better from taking that nasty power bomb during that uh during that number one number one contender match, then this could be great. We're still talking about three amazing performers, and I think that this could uh. That you were kind of, you were kind of sleeping on this during during our, during this preview, but I think that this could be really good. Uh, I am not. I don't think that this is going to be bad. I, actually, yeah, fuck it. I'll just all I was gonna say about the the rest. I agree with everything else you said there. I just I think Miro versus Lance Archer is is. I think that a lot of people are maybe sleeping on that a little bit, expecting it to or not being too sure about it. I think it's gonna kick ass. I think Miro is just gonna fucking smash him. It's gonna be a big monster mash. I think Miro is ready to go. Um, I think that they honestly, even though it felt kind of abrupt, I think it was perfect the way that they did him beating Darby for the title to now go into his big run. He's no one else who's held that title has been like him. So I think that, you know, having him just be a fucking unstoppable monster, um, just crushing through people is going to be perfect. Um, I, I like, I like, I like the, I like the idea that like, you know, we're like, Oh, Darby's going to hold on to this and just have all these incredible defenses. And Miro just came in. He's like, okay, I'm serious now. And here's a matter of fact moment that I am bigger and stronger and I've been fucking around this whole time, being patient, but I'm done with it. Like I like the idea of it, uh, but again, like he executed that facing who the guy who the guy who might be the best wrestler on the planet, right? right now. So I don't yeah, know. but Miro has historically been great. I mean, he's had he had a ton of phenomenal matches in WWE. It's it's easy to overlook because of how much he was wasted, but anytime he was out there to deliver, he always did. So I just I expect a ton from him. Uh, the women's match, everything you said there is dead on. I have no disagreement. This is time for Britt. Just just pull the trigger. Boom. She did, did a really good job shepherding the company uh, through the dark times as the face of the women's division. But unfortunately, her time is over for now. Maybe she can get it back later. Who knows? But, you know, it's time for Britt. Main event, I'm with you. 
I do think that the ma- this match can be great. I just is Orange Cassidy is definitely in it. He's back from being injured. He's cleared. Everything's good. Um, you know, I I don't know. Is that I I assume that's the case because everything's being advertised that way. Um, you know, I think I think Dynamite got moved. Right? Is Dynamite happening tonight or it's on Friday? Right, as we're recording. Uh, yeah, it, yeah, it wasn't tonight because yeah. there's playoff basketball. On yeah, right now. so dynamite. Yeah, currently, currently, yeah, like currently, I'm watching uh, the the Hawks versus Knicks game. Dynamite's on Friday, so who knows what if anything changes on on Friday? If there's any, you know, anything different about what we're looking at, but I think you know this is happening. I think the part of the weird thing about that is that Orange Cassidy is probably the guy who would hold this match together better than, you know, anything for if it is a, tr- a three way match. So, you know, if he's out of it then that would definitely hurt the match in a lot of ways. But then if he's out of it, it's not a, a, a three-way, so it doesn't matter. Um, that said, yeah, all three of these guys have great... Yeah, oh, go ahead. And, uh, let's say, like, if, if Orange Cassidy was out of it, then Kenny and Pac have had amazing matches in the past before. Like, right. there's no reason why that wouldn't be great, right. too. And, you know, Ome- uh, Orange and Pac have had great matches with each other. I don't think Kenny and Orange have ever really wrestled. Um, but, you know, right. we've got three of the best wrestlers in the world. You've got at least, you know, two of the different, like, matchups have been phenomenal um so i definitely do think that there's something here uh but yeah it's it's tough for me to get super serious or super excited for a triple threat match especially a triple triple threat title match um and you know maybe that's not fair to aew because they haven't fucked around and like done a ton of this and and you know used it as a crutch to get out of stuff so you know and this did really feel like it came across pretty authentically um, they did a really good job setting it up and building it, and you've got you know a, a triple threat that feels like it makes sense in a lot of ways because of you know everyone that's involved. So I'm with you. This could definitely deliver, but I think it's an uphill battle um, comparatively, just because it is a, a triple threat match. Um, that said, I mean you shouldn't really you know bet bet against these guys any any of these guys when it comes to a big spot. Um, not delivering because they all always deliver in, in the clutch. So you're probably right that I'm overlooking it. Um, but I, I'll admit, yeah, I'm overlooking it. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm hoping to be pleasantly surprised or even like blown out of the water by how good, uh, this match ends up being. Uh, I think, yeah, I think, I think, I think that about, I think that about covers it. I don't, got really, I don't have really have any more opinions, yeah. uh, regard, 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 regarding double or nothing. Anything else that you want to touch on before we get out of here? No, no, nothing, nothing here. Um, hopefully, try to make this a little bit more regular again. Uh, wrestling is coming back in America, like we talked about, um, but maybe not coming back in Japan. But that's it for me, Quentin. Uh, you know, you can close her out like you always do. All right, uh, we'll be back uh, with an episode going up on Thursday, on next Thursday, probably have a little bit more of a. Uh, set schedule with uh, the circumstances that we're that, that we're in, that we're in right now, and I guess next week we'll be reviewing Double or Nothing and whatever else uh, comes around. Probably the finals of King of Gate if that's over if that's over by then. I might try to catch up on some of the Cinderella tournament happening as happening at Stardom. Uh, Timothy mentioned all the tournaments going on in Japan right now, so uh, look out look out for that. But primarily will be some double a Double or Nothing review. But that's all we have for this week. Thank you all for listening and hope you're next time. Roll the crystal ride in the fast lane. Got the roots down, kiss me hard and burn.